Hello. 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 Sounds like it's working. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Little Film Podcast (laughs) with your host, Adam Bayfield. (laughs) Should get used to do it, Dave. Yeah. If you think it's so easy, why don't you do it? Hello and welcome to the Little Film Podcast. My name's Adam and with me tonight we've got Ollie. Hello. Dave. Hi. And Patrick. Hello. How's it going guys? What's going on? Yeah, not much, yeah. Just sort of hanging out with you idiots and about to do a podcast. <laughs> well, we're, do- we're not about to do a podcast, we're doing a podcast. As we speak. Mm, it's recording. That's why I suddenly went into my radio voice, if you yeah. didn't notice. So I live and breathe. Essentially my radio voice is just me but kind of bouncier it's like you yeah if you had some personality it's like you crossed with like peewee herman sort of thing you always wear the gray suit when we record so <laughs> ah, no it's also it's you crossed with dave clifton from alan Partridge. well alan no just really upbeat welcome well patrick what are we here to talk about tonight let's talk about the star is born <laughs> so i could do this <laughs> you do do this <laughs> no i mean <laughs> present oh you, you you could do my job yeah yeah no, <laughs> no one could do my job no, true well yeah we are indeed here to talk about a star is born this uh bradley cooper vehicle is that fair to say bradley cooper directed co-written starring it's a shame tony's not here actually because he loves bradley cooper he seems to have a weird relationship with Bradley Cooper, which is that he resents Bradley Cooper being pictured at Wimbledon, exactly which is right. not something that's really that fair on Bradley Cooper. I mean, no. So Bradley Cooper seems to go to the Wimbledon final every year, or he at well, least so do a lot of people so there. Though. Tony he turns hates up with Bradley Butler. Cooper for loving tennis, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, basically, yeah. it's because it, what he actually hates is like the BBC production team or whatever director of the Wimbledon coverage who picks out Bradley Cooper all the time. Like After every point of the Wimbledon final, you get a reaction from Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Tony's so annoyed about that that he like threw away all his hangover DVDs. Mm. And so he just like really Boycotted. resents Bradley Cooper now. Um, well, yes, as I say, there is, there's, a, there's a huge amount of buzz around this movie. It's taken a lot of money at the box office. But if you haven't seen it yet, we should say, as always, that there's going to be big spoilers coming up because we are going to be talking about this movie in detail. Uh, but that being said... I'll just give you a quick synopsis just to uh, refresh everyone's memory. This is a very brief one, just comes from Rotten Tomatoes. In this new take on the tragic love story, Bradley Cooper plays seasoned musician Jackson Maine, who discovers and falls in love with struggling artist Ali, Lady Gaga. She has just about given up on her dream to make it big as a singer until Jack coaxes her into the spotlight. But even as Ali's career takes off, the personal side of their relationship is breaking down as Jack fights an ongoing battle with his own internal demons. Shall we start with the scores from the critics? We, we like to give the scores from the sort of big online aggregators. So, Ollie, I think you've got those there. I do indeed. Um, so the current score on IMDb is 8.5. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 91%. And Metacritic, 88%. Those are high scores, aren't those they? Those are high scores, yeah. It's like, um, it's like Patrick and Ollie's film studies papers right film studies marks. prize winning i was papers, always gassed if, if there was an eight involved in mine yeah. you know, so it always had to be, begin with a nine yeah <laughs> Dave, 
I've never seen Dave look more annoyed. My 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 papers are actually special where they didn't Mr. James didn't actually have to write the score and it was really pre printed on the sheets every time. So He just put big gold stars on it, didn't he? He did. Gave and, you a nice big pat on the bum. And and prizes <laughs> as well, didn't he, Patrick? Yeah. Prize idiots. <laughs> Dave, did you won the prizes? Well, no? No, I just uh, got a degree in <laughs> film this will show him <laughs> european film and world cinema this will really show him yeah. um okay so those are the scores from the critics or, or sense of what critics are saying but most importantly what have we made of it what are our scores i'm gonna go around the room everyone's a bit nervous about this it seems like people hadn't really made up their minds what the score is mm. patrick's screwing up his eyes he still isn't sure let's start with you Ollie. you were, you were the one who said you'd got a score yep. in mind were you giving it out of 10 8.5. I'm going to go next. 7.5. Dave? 8.5. And Patrick? We can edit out this pause. <laughs> I mean, it's been 45 minutes. You need to <laughs> <laughs> Um 8.5. Ooh, hello. So three 8.5s and a 7.5. What were you wavering between them? Were eight. you thinking of going higher? No, no, lower? Uh, no, no. Eight. I was, I'm really happy to hear you really liked it because you really weren't that bothered about watching this film were you Dave? Uh, no I really wasn't interested in watching this at all. <laughs> One of the reasons for that is something we've been discussing a lot is that the trailer was terrible. Yeah. The trailer was so terrible it made it look like the most schmaltzy predictable yeah. uh, cringy film. It was. It's really quite strange how different the trailer is yeah, to the actual tone. Although the sorry I'll come back to film. your second Dave but I didn't watch the trailer, mm. but I had the same feeling as Dave. I was not really interested in seeing this. I wonder mm. if it's partly the title. And I know we'll mm. talk about this, but it's like it's a remake of a remake of a remake. It, you know, it, it's the fourth version of A Star Is Born, so it was never going to be called anything else. But to me, that maybe the title, just the things I'd heard about it, it seemed very X Factor. Yeah. That's the perception yeah. I had coming in. Actually, I know a few people as well who assumed it was a Lady Gaga biopic. So there was that. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure if it was maybe that, mm. but it just seemed it. It didn't to me feel like it was going to be nearly as serious as it was in terms of like subject matter and stuff. Yeah, it felt like it was going to be very cheesy um, from the trailer. I thought and sort of like uplifting, like go get them girl type film. Sort of very Hollywood in a bad sense of the word. Just kind of yeah, um, cliche. Yeah, where you know where you're watching like a kids. Thing where it's yeah it's kind of the X Factor like here's the big star emerging whereas there's a lot more to yeah. it in both light and dark darkness in it. So I think that's why I was so unsure going in. But you're right, I was very pleasantly surprised. I had an amazing cinema experience, by the way. I just want to say that I watched it in an entirely empty screen one at the Mallard. What really? And entirely empty, empty on your own. I was the only person in it. Where did you sit? Uh, I sat right in the middle of the cinema and yeah. I can kind of understand now that when they built the cinema what they probably did was they were like right we'll just get someone to sit in the middle of the room and see if the view's any good and listen to the sound system because it sounded amazing mm. <laughs> it was it was outrageous like with no one else in there it's like a really good cinema when I left it was just um, one of the the lads who, who works there just sort of waiting in the foyer for me because it was like the 9.30 showing on a Monday night, so there's no one else in the just building. Just to do a box of tissues. Well, we, yeah. we I, I was sort of like, oh, I'll just come out into a big crowd and sort of sneak away and no but, one be able to see. I've got these wet eyes. It we, is a bit weird, though, because, I mean, I'm, yes, okay, it's Guernsey and it's a Monday, but you think maybe there'll be one other person I've, or a couple of other people. I've never been in a cinema where I've just been on my own. I've been to lots of films where there's been maybe like one or two other people in there, but never had it 
exclusively to myself. Well, we mm. talked about this on the Ready Player One episode. I, I went to see Ready Player One on my own. It was like a 4.30 in the afternoon showing on a Monday. And I had to go and ask them to turn it on because <laughs> they, they didn't think anybody was in there. Just really, really, really British about it as well. Just ter- do you mind just turning it on? <laughs> I'm really sorry oh. to bother you, but... Is there any chance you could put the movie on? So yeah, Dave, you had a, a good cinema experience which maybe contributed to your sense of being pleasantly surprised by the whole thing. I mean, so I mentioned this already. It's, it, this is actually a remake. It's the fourth version. That was a, the original is from the 1930s. Uh, there's a version in the 1950s with Judy Garland, one in the 1970s with um, Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand. To me, I feel like those previous versions have been more or less forgotten. Like I, Maybe you guys sort of film studies boffins I have a different sense of me, but I didn't know anything about that before seeing the movie. So it was a completely new story to me. I mean, I suppose it's a kind of timeless story in a sense, but it wasn't, uh, I didn't feel like it was a remake coming in. No, I, I can't say that I had ever really heard of those films until this new one's come out. Like I'd never heard of, I mean, I think the most popular one's the one with Barbara Streisand, isn't it? I just don't think they're considered to be classics, are they? In no. the way that a lot of old films are like if you were to remake jaws there'd be quite a big sort of focus on it or even if you remake robocop the original robocop is considered you know to be a bit of a classic or at least a sort of cult classic king kong a few years yeah but <laughs> you're just naming movies now. yeah no but, no, but like I a mean, star is born is like it's is, not is one of these films where i think those original ones are considered to be great films like i think mm. if you go on imdb the one that you're talking about with chris christopherson's got like a 6.5 rating or something mm. like that it's not considered to be like mm. one and, of the best films of all time despite our the extensive list of films that we have seen i don't think any of us had seen the previous ones and i think that probably helps though I, I'm, the, the, that's the weird thing you say you weren't you know dave you weren't that keen to see it i know tone wasn't keen to see well, it hasn't seen i'm it. not now keen to go and see older versions of it no uh but basically because I thought this one was very good and for, and I saw that, you know, it was in um, production hell, possibly going to be, uh, look to be made around 2011 uh, with Clint Eastwood directing and with Beyonce in the role. Is it Beyonce um, and Will Smith? I think I'd say that, I can put this out there, I don't think that would have been very good. <laughs> no. There's an interesting quote in the film about music and I think it relates kind of to filmmaking and what you're saying about this. So you've seen this version and it's a really good version of it. So it doesn't, you don't need to see the other interpretations. And like the quote in the film is from Bobby, like Jackson's brother. And it's music is essentially 12 notes between any octave, 12 notes and the octave repeat. It's the same story told over and over forever. All any artist can offer the world is how they see those 12 notes. That's it. And I think it's kind of like a nod to the fact that they are just remaking the same thing. And it's just how well you choose to do it because the story isn't in any way sort of original so it's amazing that they've built quite a dramatic story around it yeah true it's but, also it's yeah. like that thing of how many songs are about love or poems or anything like that it's just yeah. it's the same topic but it's what well you yeah have and to it comes back to the thing you know like the seven basic plots and this the idea that you know actually when you boil it down there's only so many stories that are just told in endlessly refined ways it is a timeless story this isn't it and that, there's nothing there was nothing surprising about the story but it was the way it was executed that was so kind of in some instances sort of breathtaking that's that's what i i mean i do struggle with a lot of modern films are we do see a lot of remakes or reboots which are just done for the 
sake of it if you like whereas with this one yes i hadn't seen the originals but knew it was a remake but as you said like it was the fact that it was executed so so well it didn't really matter that it was a remake if you know what i mean because it felt like a fresh film because it was done so well also i would say it's a really good example of a remake because what they've done is they've seen a film and they've gone i can make a better version of it Mm. and they've gone and done that whereas so often you see remakes that just aren't anywhere near as good or reboots that aren't anywhere near as it's good. A, it's a film that deserves to be remade. Well, that's, a, that's just... a curious one though, because you, it's a, it's that middle ground thing because sometimes you see it, there's a film and you think, well, the original of that was terrible as in why would they remake it? Mm-hmm. Or yeah. it's like the original of that's brilliant. Why would they remake it? It almost is something in the middle where you think this has promise but yeah unrealized yeah the, the, the original versions were a slight missed opportunity maybe or you look mm-hmm. at it and think that's something that we could do so much better than they did and it wasn't as we say people i think most people or certainly most people that i know were not coming into this thinking like i really want to see that film because i love the chris christopherson version like it wasn't sort of trading in on people's nostalgia for the original version in the way that a remake of Jaws, like you're talking about, people would go and see that because they love Jaws. That wasn't the case here. So, you know, it it is interesting. And do you think we're talking about like the execution of it being so superb? Is a lot of that to do with the performances? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the central hub of the film is, is I think, the performances. And one word that we've used quite a bit recently on, on other episodes is chemistry. Like, I was just totally sold on the two characters, Jackson and... Ali and the sort of chemistry and bond they had not just as sort of characters in the film but also on the musician side like obviously Lady Gaga is a very successful pop star and singer Bradley Cooper we just know really as an actor but again I was totally convinced that he was a rock star like he pulled it off so well his voice was amazing like the actual like you saying before Dave about um how amazing it sounded like i remember just watching when watching the film like the the opening scene is so good where he's on stage in that hangar and he's they're playing that huge rock song mm. this is the thing with music films as well often you find at times these songs or performances are mimed and you can tell that it's not genuine whereas with the star is born like all the performances are live they are being performed they're being sung the instruments being played and yeah i mean we see bradley keeper as an actor in this we see him as a musician as well and for me i was just completely sold that these these two characters in the film like it was just they were totally believable i just i agree with everything you just said i just want to say that i think you said the star is born there i just think we should get the title right it's a star <laughs> is born a star is born it's actually yeah. a star is born fallen kingdom yeah. <laughs> two <laughs> and on that point about the performances and the acting I think what I found really surprising is that Lady Gaga can look like a completely normal down-to-earth person. She was like utterly convincing as just a sort of mm. completely normal person, completely flipping what her normal public persona is of being like an outlandish, like massive pop star. And I like the way she allowed herself to be in a film where the more she became like Lady Gaga, the more the film portrayed her as selling out. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. A good and, point, yeah. and also that um Well done, Dave. On on that note. <laughs> you would have though, got a prize for that, that, <laughs> that kind of point. But you don't need to come yeah, up with something lame. like that in sixth form. <laughs> <laughs> uh no, the the point that so I I'm not a like a particular fan of her music or anything, but it seems that in the last few years actually she's appeared more as herself and not 
kind of in character or wearing, you know, meat dresses, but where you see her a bit more as herself. So it's kind of interesting seeing seeing this film where, yeah, the character herself as well is at least, yeah, from the start is this kind of unmade up and quite sort of authentic person. And yeah, that kind of decline into, well, it's, yeah, it's, that's what's curious about it, isn't it? It's, it's a, it's a, that curious phrase, meteoric rise, which um, a friend of mine brilliantly pointed out one time, like, don't meteors plummet to earth at like an incredible <laughs> rate. Mm. And that's kind of what happens in this film. You've got this weird rise, but also arguable selling out in terms of the purity of the music. And I think that I, that's quite a, that's a great theme in the film. And it's also one which is again kind of timeless because people always people thought that like people getting TVs would ruin everything and every step of the way you think like you know this is this is uh you know going to cheapen something uh but almost particularly in for this generation you know as we said the thing of uh, x factor and the voice and that sort of stuff and the resentment felt by musicians and bands who have you know not had that platform and things but who have just done it through their own kind yeah. of work and the, and and a purity of expression that that we're meant to believe jackson main's character has i mean it's obviously a sort of integral part of the story that that rise but that was one of the parts for me which didn't quite work is in the actual execution of it like the actual idea that she Rose, excuse me, Rose to become this pop star, if you like, was is fine like that. It's just the way it was. It just felt a little tacky. I do think it feels rushed. It didn't quite feel as authentic as the rest of the film. That was the only bit of the film that did feel a bit X Factor to me, or was kind of what I was expecting. Was that moment where he drags her out on stage for the first time and she sings her song. Mm. I was kind of cringing at that bit because I, 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 I really like that. But. I do think, yeah, it teeters on the borderlines of being cheesy. I think that bit in particular. I am like Ollie though because I, I totally bought into it. I, but I think you know, I was just like, it, 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 the film pulled me in emotionally yeah, and then I did, just yeah. let whatever happened in it happen. That's interesting because with that early one, I find that you believe that this is someone who's timidity uh and fear of the stage things has held her back and his encouragement and just being there and he's she's almost like physically pushed onto the stage i bought into that i i kind of agree with ollie that the later part when she becomes a kind of glitzy pop star more and there's that i don't know what what is it that she's on it's um what tv show oh snl yeah that is a bit turned up to 11 in terms of like the dance this is where she was like doing this Mm. country stuff and this is how she's it, it seems I know it's a film and it's not even that long a film, but it seemed kind of rushed that that's how changed her kind of whole persona was immediately. There were some time jumps there that maybe weren't like as clearly um, delineated in the film as they could have been. This is an unpopular opinion, but like, so for me, uh, her acting wise, I thought her performance was superb. Like she, it definitely didn't feel like sort of pop star playing at being an actor. Like it was really amazing performance. My unpopular opinion is I actually don't like her voice that much. I'm not a, that big a fan of Lady Gaga's mm. voice. And mm. it's there's a few people, I feel this way a bit about Adele as well. Mm. Like, it's just a bit too much for mm. me. Like, it's slightly overwhelming. So I've obviously given it 7.5 as opposed to you guys 8.5. I don't, I'm not saying that this is specifically why, but I d- maybe didn't connect with it emotionally quite as fully as some other, like I know various other people have said to me, oh, the ending of that film, you know, it's just chills, like chills down my spine when she's singing that song at the end, I wasn't quite as connected with that moment because actually I'm not 
I don't really like listening to her sing as much as some people do. It's interesting because I didn't really like Lady Gaga's music beforehand. Like, I've never been massively into... Like, I know that she's written some ridiculously big pop songs, but I've never been hugely into her. But I actually thought, watching this film, I was like, wow, she's much better than I've always given her credit for. And I will admit, sad as this may seem, I've actually listened to the Star is Born soundtrack album so at least at least three or four times since I watched it. Shallow, mate. Absolute T-Yune. <laughs> it's a banger, shallow. isn't it? It's a banger. Uh, does, it, um, does it live up? I mean, does it? Yeah. Um, is it still good listening to it yeah, just it, as a soundtrack? Yeah, some of the songs are good. Although ones like that intro song that we were talking about earlier with Bradley Cooper, the sort of um, Jackson Maine, mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember what the song is called, doesn't stand up quite as well outside of the context of the film. Yeah. But, the, but the Lady Gaga songs, like, they are all, I was like, oh, yeah, this was great in the film, this was great in the and film. And the, the other song he does on the acoustic guitar, which is played a couple of times in the film's really good as well. I've got, I've yeah, got that's good. They're, yeah. they're brilliant. They are brilliant. So, like, the, certainly the shallows, like, in, terms of song, in terms of songwriting, is amazing. And I think it would be hard to argue that she doesn't have a good voice. Like, she's clearly got... A some phenomenal pipes. voice. She's got some yeah. pipes in her Same back. with Adele. Like, mm. But it's just, it's such a big voice yeah. that I, I, I just find it hard to tune in with it. But then, I, you know, Ollie, you've said like, you love music films, you love music. So, I mean, I have, I have quite kind of narrow <laughs> taste. Like, if it's not Paul Simon, I'm not interested really. So like... <laughs> My brother made quite a good point, I think, which is that, of course, there are exceptions to this. But with male voices in a lot of music, in rock and pop, all sorts of things... It seems fine if people are quite low key and just, you know, within quite a narrow range and things. And it seems that there's almost a requirement for women in music to just, you know, stretch every sort of sinew to get like notes and all stuff. And it and and it's actually can be for me as well, like really off putting, whereas mm. I'd really love songs certain songs where there's not that strain there's just it's 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 like an easier kind of and i think that's almost like a pressure on female mm. musicians and point. and my doing the the cascade as well like not holding yeah, the note but going all sort of christina aguilera the... or all sorts like adele yeah it's kind of just belting out like mm. again right really turned up because my inherent bias in the film as well is that i i really like um leonard cohen and bob dylan and tom waits stuff like that so the songs that i i really loved some of the quieter ones and yet when he's just playing mm. that song which because I, I really like good lyrics and i think is what, what about, is the name of the um, song where he, he talks about like what awaits for the dead yes exactly yeah. yeah um things like that i enjoyed whereas again when it then becomes backing dancers and massive sound and <laughs> like yeah, they might be musically still good I'm, i don't know but mm. they're they, they weren't to my taste as much mm. Good. Well, we're talking about performances, if you like. We've spoken a bit about Lady Gaga uh, and Bradley Cooper. We it, haven't really talked about Bradley Cooper's performance, actually. We did a bit, but we kind of... I thought he was excellent. Like, yeah. Really, very the, good. The best thing I've seen him in, definitely. And, he, like the, and the best performance, because usually he's just playing a sort of a version of himself. Mm. Whereas I feel like in this, he kind of pushed himself... It was very believable as an alcoholic as well, like sort of uncomfortably yeah. believable. That scene at the Grammys was yeah. like hard to watch. And he yeah. acts a lot in this film with his eyes, I think, as well. And and that is the sort of, yeah, the bleary drunkenness and stuff, but with the kind of hurt that you see in his expressions and things. Because it's like, it's like there was a little element of that in Silver Linings Playbook or something like that, but where there's then much more comedy and things. And this one, 
yeah, I think it, it seemed authentic and it was actually in a way a bit of like a Christian Bale type character or something. If you think of a film like The Fighter yeah, um, or something like that, where it's like this just really damaged, Individual. Uh, difficult person. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he, what's, I'd say even more impressive was the fact that he was doing what he was doing on camera, but also off cameras in the directing part of it, because it's one thing to obviously put in a, a really great performance, but to be also be able to influence the scene, if you like, while not being behind the camera as well. Like he, I think he deserves some real credit for like being able to do both and pull it off so well. It's quite a weird idea though, isn't it? Cause you know, he's like, okay guys in this scene, I want you to get a really tight close up of my face. Yeah. Like, just like, just really focus on me in this one. This being his di- directorial debut. Yeah. Uh, it's impressive that he got it this right because I know Kermode sometimes rants about, it's like that thing of, you know, actors being treated as cattle and stuff and don't overstep your mark and think that you can just walk into directing. And there are so many films like that where it just goes wrong, but this is is not one of them. I think if you see any interview with any actor ever, they're always like, yeah, I'm looking into, you know, getting behind the camera a bit more. And you always sort of sort of wince. And I feel like I, I would have done the same had I seen Bradley Cooper do an interview before this film. I would have been like, oh, is God. Is that because they're you... Your perception of him is, you know, the doofus from The Hangover. Whereas when, because I had an interview with him with Simon Mayo a few weeks ago, and like they were saying afterwards, like they were just blown away by his knowledge of film and cinema. Like he's just apparently so knowledgeable of film and he's like the perfect like pedigree to direct a film. I wouldn't say it's that I thought he was a doofus. It's just that (laughs) I think that's, that's unfair. I think it's just that he's a, you know, he's a bit of a pretty boy. I just I don't know how I always feel about actors becoming directors. I think Clint Eastwood is a really good example. A lot of people love Clint Eastwood's films where he's a director, but I actually find a lot of them quite uncomfortable. Mm. That thing of uh, in Gran Torino, which is a weird mix of a film because like aspects of it are very good, aspects are yeah. really quite terrible. Some of the dialogue and things, but the, it's him directing, and it was going to be his final performance, I think, and it ends with like him in like a Christ-like pose, yeah. like lying down. And you just think that that's, it possibly says something about ego. Well, that's kind of what I'm saying. But the, the whole concept of actor-director is a little yeah. weird from that point of view. It seems kind of self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I mean, there's nothing to say that you can't be a doofus and know a lot about films. It's true. P- people yeah. often say... As these two prove. Yeah, film studies prize. <laughs> really enjoying the dramatic resurgence of the word doofus as well. <laughs> um, just there's that thing of, uh, you often hear actors saying that a certain performer is generous, uh, which I think is quite a good word because it's like even if they're a real star that they don't hog kind of every scene. Um, a really weird example of the opposite of this is apparently there's this thing where uh, Brad Pitt is like a real like scene hog and one of the ways he does that is he's like very, very frequently eating mm. in scenes and it kind of just like draws your attention <laughs> to him. But with this, it felt that though it was a massive success for Bradley Cooper that he was actually generous with how much it's probably more her than him in yeah, a way. It's more Gaga it's than yeah. Cooper. And also that it is a film where it's very much focused on a few characters, not as solely on someone as like There Will Be Blood or something, but the 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 side characters in this were still good. Like uh, Sam Elliott was good fun. Although that funny thing of like, good he fun. just walks, he walks in from one role to another. Like he could have just strolled off the set of Big Lebowski. Um and yeah, being a bit more serious, but he's always got the same moustache. I should say, I think Sam Elliott as well was in, I for me, the best scene in the film. 
the one where he's driving uh, Jackson back from rehab. Yeah, that's And excellent. drops him off at the house. And just as Jackson's getting out of the car, he, you know, he turns to him and says, I can't remember. It's, it, it's it, what, he says, it's it wasn't a, dad. It was you. I, I looked up to or something. It was you. And so. yeah, and then it's just like a, the shot from like the back seat as he's looking back, reversing, basically close to tears out of the drive. And that's trying to get the absolutely hell out of brilliantly there. done. That scene. That's a great it's bit so, of direction, isn't it? It's and I, I was going to mention that as one of the, I said there were like a few kind of breathtaking moments in the film and that was one of them for me. The, another one was the shot of the police lights where you just sort of see the blue lights start to flash mm. in the darkness and like sort of lighting up the trees at the end when you yeah, realise yeah. he's, he's hung himself. The part with his brother, again, if you, if you just hear that line, you think, yeah, it wasn't dad, it was you or something. All of the success of that is in the delivery and in the nuance and in kind of, almost what's not said straight after that. It's in the kind of absence of schmaltz and things. So it's, it's so brilliantly done. And as you say, the thing of his brother does just drive away with this look in his eyes. And then the subtlety in that is then also used, I think, in a scene which I did find like extremely tragic, basically, when two things, one of which is that it's a very good performance, but the performance of the record producer, he's quite despicable in a way because he can see that, that Jackson Maine is going through all this trouble and he more or less is encouraging him to basically yeah. kill himself. This is the British guy, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that scene is very powerful because also the guy's not physically imposing or anything. He's younger. And you think Jackson Maine's there and he's listening to all this. He's not reacting, but he, you just see the sort of sadness in his eyes. But then the whole scene where he is going to join her at the concert and then is at, at his garage and then uh, you see him thinking to himself and then holding his belt and like shutting the garage doors. Mm. He puts, and then puts the, the hat down as well. Puts the hat down. Yeah. Everything around that scene and then the single shot later on of the outside of the garage and the dog lying down outside yeah, is pretty perfectly done. Mm. Yeah. I just wanted to touch on something which was I think the sort of casting in the film was pretty much flawless. Like I I think character for character they they absolutely nailed it. But I did feel like the record producer called Rez was a slight misstep because for me he didn't he wasn't authentic. He felt like a bit of a pan, pantomime villain to me. He didn't quite fit into that sort of authentic believable world. I just I just found him a bit fake and I didn't I like obviously saw his role and purpose in the film and in the story and how the story unfolded. But as the actor, I just didn't think he was a particularly great choice for that. I'd, the only thing I'd say about that is I think there are a lot of people, like that's what those sorts of people are, are like. They are sort of relatively young record producers or like talent scouts and agents. Like they are like that. Certainly some of the ones who I have met, like when I was living in London, are more like that than they are like sort of Simon Cowell types. Mm. And is that, do you think that's true, the tone of that thing of someone that young and things looking at Jackson Maine and thinking this guy's like a dinosaur, you know, in terms of like the, you know, what we want and where music's going and this sort of thing. It's like a kind of disregard. And I think also that you've got to look at it like that character, like in a way he's a bit, a bit like a pantomime villain and, it's a bit annoying that they cast him as a British guy to have like, you know, classic British villain in an American film. Mm. But 
on the other hand, like he does make her hugely successful. He does help to make her a star. So Jackson unearths her and then he helps nurture her to super pop stardom. So he's not really done anything nasty. And there are a lot of moments in the film where actually he's like really nice to her, like tender and kind of, kind of understanding because he's, you know, although he's obviously using her to get ahead, I feel like there's a relationship where he actually likes her and gets on with her. Do you think so? I, I think, I think, so. I think it's hard. I think that's probably up for debate like that. It's interesting the way that that relationship's portrayed, whether he is just all about the, you know, the money yeah, and the, how that he can sort of exploit her. And so because he, he certainly he isn't can like... shake money out of he's not. He's not very humane when it comes to anything to do with Jackson. I think um, the, the scene you're talking about where he, in not so many words, seems to be like encouraging him yeah. to kill himself, I think does sort of tip it yeah. away from what Dave's saying. Because I agree with you. I think you can sort of, up until that point, you could imagine from his perspective that he's thinking well she's yeah got so much potential she's being really successful and she's just got this kind of destructive thing going on in her life that she just doesn't need and why is she still with him and you can see why maybe he would be thinking she's gonna be much better off without him but then it, it maybe you know he takes that much too far hmm. um one thing i wanted to say about uh, the bradley cooper direction that we talked about a little bit earlier you, you mentioned like the chemistry between them to me the most impressive thing about the film is the portrayal of their relationship and it's quite a sort of unusually um impactful portrayal of like intimacy the intimacy between them and it, it wasn't you've you said dave about how it wasn't cheesy we we're expecting it to be cheesy well it, it very much steered away from the kind of hollywood cheesy like cliches and things that you that they, they would tend to lean on in a film like that and it was lots of really kind of surprising things like when he touches her nose um mm. that's sort of, it, it was just like a, it felt like such a real little bits of banter and their in jokes and things it just felt like such a real relationship and that was kind of um breathtaking as well mm. the scene when he calls her ugly is quite powerful as well i think yeah because it's is that when she's in the bar yes and it's quite poignant in a way because he obviously that's obviously an extremely bad thing to say but he's kind of also he's kind of saying that you've become ugly by like selling putting out. on all this makeup mm. and selling yourself out like this but it doesn't you know it it yeah. doesn't she doesn't take it like that and and she resents that as well because he's so kind and uh lovely to her earlier in the in the film and you know throughout the story really though he is exceptionally kind of self-destructive and that well. she felt when they met she felt that she was too ugly to be a, mm. a yes star and he was the one who kind of made her see that she wasn't and that her nose wasn't a problem and that kind of it's stuff it's just it's obviously yeah, just a a very great example of two people who feel very comfortable around each other because i think you've got to feel that comfort around each other to be able to deliver that kind of performance because it is a very much a two-way performance if you like their relationship so they obviously hit it off really well and I've, I've heard in a few interviews that yeah she just like he he said that he couldn't have thought of anyone else to do that role and obviously the two of them just together have got a bond outside and off the camera um that it does just work yeah we're in front of the camera speaking of bonds i think maybe one of the all-time great dogs in a film yeah by the way, did anyone else notice yeah. it's Bradley Cooper's dog in that yeah. film? 
the and coolest dog in the world. Yeah, great bond between all of them. It's just like, Isn't it, it looks Bradley like, Cooper's dog in real life? Yeah, it's yeah. Bradley Cooper's dog mm. in real life. It looks like the cuddliest dog in the yeah. world. I don't usually like dogs, but I was like, I really want that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going to kidnap his dog. I don't think he'd give it to you. I thought a very good scene was the one where they're sort of sitting on a pavement or something yeah. outside like a, a store. Yeah, oh, that's really in good. In the parking lot. Yeah. Like that the, is like very, it's very believable and it's very... That's when she sings for the first time, or like he's obviously yeah. seen her in the club, but when she sings her yeah. own song, goes, I'm off the deep. That, yeah. Shallow. Yeah, she sings that song. Shallow song. Yeah. I liked it as well when they were in the supermarket and sort of just... Just doing their shopping. Hanging Wiki out. Shop. And then he was there like scanning his own items through the, the checkout and stuff. I just like, it was very, yeah, like you said, the whole thing's very believable. It's very real, very genuine. You, you're very much sold on, you know, these are real people. These are real people. It's quite yeah. devastating as well, that thought that he basically says when he's been in rehab and he talks to her, he's like, I don't know if you'll, if you'll be keen on me because you have not known me to be not drunk. Yeah, not known Like at sober. any time. Just one other thing I want to say is that what I thought was really great about it, so in terms of taking you through the, the emotions, make you laugh, make you cry, um, make you sick, make you want to sing, um, <laughs> was I think it made me feel the most uncomfortable and cringeworthy since I watched The Office in the really? bit where they went at the Grammys. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I was literally like curling up into a ball. I was in the cinema on my own, so no one would have seen it, but like, just sort of so awkward watching that when he then pisses himself. I have to say, I thought that was both kind of brilliant, but also incredibly implausible. <laughs> that, that there's no way if they saw the state that he was in that they would have got him near the stage. And there's that scene when they get him literally near the stage and he basically like sits on the stage, yeah, he's kind of like slumped he, yeah. on the stairs. If someone's in that bad a state, that's, that's not going to happen. But the actual... It took me, I think, a second or two longer to realise like what was going on when, like, in in the cinema, yeah, when yeah. you realise that he's like he's peeing himself. It's not funny at all. It's just like it's just yeah, it's devastatingly tragic. cringy and kind of tragic and her embarrassment. And everything. Yeah. I, th- I did think it, that was, but I think fun. for me, I didn't feel like she was embarrassed because it, it shows like a real mark of their relationship that she she actually says afterwards like she's not angry she's not embarrassed she's just like supportive worried. and worried and yeah like it didn't because she's got the whole world licking her i just mean in terms of like doesn't. you know she she basically tries to like cover her, him up with yeah. her dress and stuff which is it's also quite that's moving for him though yeah I think, yeah not absolutely for her. just i thought maybe one thing to bring up but it might open up too much but maybe a film that's the, a film that's somewhat similar both in terms of the, uh, the actors and how they're portraying roles is um walk the line mm. and because of like the um, troubles that the the male singer um, go well, both of them go through. Would you say that this one? I mean, this one has much more of a because of the end, a much more sort of tragic outcome feel to it. Uh, but what what do you think of that kind of like comparison, or also in terms of like the singing performances and that sort of thing? Oh, Walk the Line's one of my favorite films. It's interesting mm. because yeah, like uh, Whacking Phoenix and. Reese Witherspoon, they sing their own, it's their own voices singing the songs, isn't it? But neither of them are singers, whereas Lady Gaga obviously has sort of come to acting from yeah. singing. But I mean, that I think very impressive vocal performances in Walk the Line. I, I think, yeah, to me, I, I, Walk the Line is one of my favourite films and th- this wouldn't be on the same level as that, but I suspect for a lot of other people it would be. And I don't know whether it is just because 
I love Johnny Cash. I love Johnny yeah. Cash's music. And in this one, I thought it was a brilliant film, but I, w- I didn't really, I wasn't really that into the songs and didn't find them as emotional as, um, I didn't find like the ending bit as emotional as some other people seem to have done. I enjoyed it almost more because it wasn't a real biopic. So I think sometimes when it's a biopic, like there's there's so many things. Like firstly, you already know the songs, so they maybe don't have the same emotional resonance because you've already got an attachment to them from previous experiences. I think like, also could that mean you have more of an attachment to them? Yeah, well, I think in your case, so for example, with Walk the Line, yes, but like this film, I think I prefer it because. I don't already know what's going to happen to the characters as well. well. I know I could have read the synopsis of the previous um, <laughs> A Star Is Born films, but... What, what's what's funny with that is that I remember watching Walk the Line with my mum and my brother and stuff. My mum really loved it. I could tell she was loving it, but she also looked like really worried. And then it finished and she was just like, oh, I'd forgot... I- I'm sure Johnny Cash died really young. Like, so she was basically had the opposite. She was like expecting this really sad ending. And I was like, no, he died like a few years ago. Mm. You know, they lived like happily. I think the thing with real biopics as well, you're always going to be looking out for the imitation. So you're going to be looking at how good does Waking Phoenix do Johnny Cash? And like coming up with Bohemian Rhapsody, you could be looking at, I've forgotten the actor's name, Rami guy from Mr. Robot he's playing Freddie Mercury yeah but you'll be looking at how good he is at Freddie Mercury Mercury. whereas with A Star Is Born you're not you're not looking out for that it's different because it isn't it isn't based on a real person it's not like it's not a biopic it's you just I think looking at the whole thing it's a self-contained thing yeah I think it's that thing of like actually those two films are they have strong similarities but where they're really different is that Walk the Line is a much it's much more epic in a sense and you know you've got like Elvis and Jerry Lee Lewis and actually this whole story of the families uh is much more into it so it almost feels it probably is as well like longer and kind of more all-encompassing whereas this this felt really like a pared down portrayal of just these two characters really I think like very much more just focused on a relationship Mm. just on the nod of um on the performances do you think they'll be in contention for award season next year yeah i think so yeah i think well it's difficult to tell because we're at the beginning of when all the films are going to come um but yeah i think they i think they would all be in contention i think there's a lot of good stuff there yeah and the yeah. movie for best picture potentially so i mean it is interesting this movie has been huge i don't know i don't know whether it was expected to be as successful as it has been but there's like as i say there's so much buzz about it it does feel like a real kind of event movie now and people are saying it's, you know, like a front runner for the Oscars next year. But I always think, it, does the date when it's released count against it? Because people will have forgotten or it will have yeah. faded a bit by the time February comes around. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I mean, sorry, it's unfair, but that, that does happen, I think. I mean, the thing I would say about the film is there's, you know, three people here who've given it an 8.5. Usually we're not so generous with our marks. That might be the highest score we've given anything, actually, as a, as as like a four. As a whole. Yeah. No one's given a nine yet, have they, individually? Mm, and yeah, a, a, yeah I we're think stingy with the Shape nines. of Water is probably the only... No, because I think closest, I only gave that a 6.5 or something. Yeah, so I think, like, this film, obviously, we think quite a lot of it. So you would expect that when it comes around to awards season, <laughs> yeah, yeah. if we we'll think get quite the a lot of it... And be yeah. like, should it get the Oscar? Yes, it should. <laughs> <laughs> Give it the go ahead. We yeah. liked it, therefore. 
Do you know what? If, if it wins the Oscar, Bradley Cooper should appear on stage and then urinate himself. <laughs> and then thank the little film podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Lady Gaga, like, covering it up. Yeah. It'd be brilliant. It's interesting. I read a, Unlikely. read a thing about Bradley Cooper that he, um, when he first sort of took the, the role on, he, he was worried because the only way he could achieve the voice that he wanted to was by putting his chin on his chest to achieve that load. But he actually had to do lots of vocal exercise because his voice in it is two octaves lower than it would be when he speaks usually. So he has to do lots of vocal training mm. exercise to get his voice that low. Jerks and me. He does do it. It is easier when you sort of put your chin on your chest like that. <laughs> but <laughs> so I didn't realise Mr. T was joining us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That it? We're going to bring it to an end there? I think that's enough said. Yeah. Are you going to sing a song for us, Adam? Um, yeah, I brought my guitar. So settle back. Uh, Alright, cool. Thanks, guys. Cheerio. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Talk to you again soon. Borrow um, the uh, the sound quiet place. That's a group watch, mate. Yeah, that's what I said originally, and then you went and watched it on your own. <laughs> New. <No. laughs> it's like the same way that the uh, roost thing was a group spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got still, form. Still annoyed about that. Yeah. I got the blame for that. <laughs> this moves swiftly on. It's because I was with you that week and had specifically you said the blame. We should definitely do huh? that one day. Yeah. Huh? We should do that before oh, the end I of the summer. I enjoyed the swim, they say. That was a great swim. Well, as long as you enjoyed it, mate. It was made, <laughs> it's made better by Dave not being Yeah. There. You've just been whinging the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's deep. Oh, it's a bit chilly. wet in here. Tense. The star is Very born. Very tense. Yeah, you've still I, never got, got, you've I never got, got that one, the guy from, um, you know... Uh, from Jurassic World, the one who's like, um, it rubs the lotion on its skin unless it gets the holes again. You know, he's got... Oh, yes. Come on, it's not bad, is it? It's really good, yeah. He's got an incredibly weird voice. He's the one who's like, you the dinosaurs back in the park. He's the one he's that, a, like, oh, ranger yeah, yeah. guy. He gets yeah, yeah. into the cage with the Indoraptor yeah. and starts anna- annoying oh, it and then it winks oh. at the camera and eats it. <laughs> yeah. Do you want me to like Wait. go back and put that yeah, in the yeah. Jurassic World? Yeah. <laughs> Just really badly in the, in the middle of in the middle of, like in the middle of me of talking. Saying. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, I thought about the yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Let's start, shall we? Oh, uh, 
Can I just uh, apologise for the lack of Yazoo's? Mm. Because I did go to the garage and then realised I didn't have any money. So I was going to get everyone strawberry Yazoo, but then didn't. Which made me think it's irrefutable evidence of the thing that it's not the thought that counts. Because <laughs> I did have the thought. Undeniably, I had the thought to get you all Yazoo. And so the thought's there, but there's just absolutely nothing well, to show And actually, it. in this case, the thought has made it worse. Yeah, exactly. if you the hadn't th- mentioned Yazoo, no one would care. But th- now we're all annoyed. The thought on its own counts less than nothing. Because <laughs> it's a promise of something good and then taken away. There's half-time 12 bars in the, freezer, in the fridge, sorry. That's we true. also, depending on how long we take with this, maybe we could nip out and get some Yazoo's at half-time. Hello there. <laughs> Interesting. Good idea. Can, uh, as well. Can is it I, the thought can, that counts? It's not the no, thought that counts. No, it's not the thought that counts. It's the Yazzie's account. Or a gift. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if, yeah, if you, I was like, oh, I was thinking about your birthday yeah. present, but I didn't. Yeah. Would you, you, know, you would, know, that's you, not the thought that counts. You know, we've been wanting to move in together and get a new house. Yeah, thought about it. Changed my mind. <laughs> it's yeah. the thought that counts. <laughs>